We all want to put an end to painful, toxic worrying. The key to being free from worry is to learn to relate to it from a new perspective. Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. Each week, we offer you brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A.com. Worry is a thorn in our side, a rude audience member at the performance of our lives. Worry likes to trick you into thinking there's danger where there is none, and then urges you to fight, fly, or freeze. In today's episode, we're giving worry a taste of its own medicine with an excerpt from the audiobook, The Worry Trick, How Your Brain Tricks You Into Expecting the Worst and What You Can Do About It. Written by psychologist and anxiety expert, David A. Carbonell. The Worry Trick shows how anxiety hijacks the brain and offers effective techniques to help you break the cycle of worry once and for all. Anxiety is a powerful force. It makes us question our decisions, ourselves, and worry about the future, all while filling our days with dread and emotional turbulence. The techniques in this audiobook, rather than encouraging you to avoid or try to resist anxiety, reveal the trick that lies beneath your anxious thoughts and teaches you why avoiding anxiety backfires and always makes things worse. In this excerpt, Dr. Carbonell introduces us to the comic character of Uncle Argument, a belligerent relative who insists on arguing with you, and a potent metaphor for chronic anxiety. You'll sympathize with the plight of being stuck next to Uncle Argument and learn how to outwit both him and your worries. What's a good relationship with worry? Let's suppose you're going to a family event. Maybe it's a wedding, a graduation party, a bar mitzvah, or a 50th anniversary party. You're looking forward to it and want to enjoy it. Unfortunately, you misplace the invitation for a while. You were the last person to send in your RSVP, and so they seated you next to Uncle Argument at the banquet table. Uncle Argument is actually an okay person, but he really, really likes to argue. That's pretty much his entire conversational style. If you're a Democrat, he's a Republican. If you think American football is the greatest sport, he picks soccer. If you think breakfast is the most important meal, he says that it's dinner, and so on. The man just loves to argue. He's not really mean, he just loves arguing. And you'll be seated next to him at dinner. You don't want to argue, you want to sit and eat, and you want to enjoy the meal, you want to have some pleasant conversation if possible, but you absolutely don't want to argue. Arguing gives you a stomach ache. What can you do? It's hard to avoid arguing. You can't move to another table because there aren't any empty seats. You can't change seats with anybody because nobody wants to sit next to Uncle Argument. So you have to sit next to him unless you skip the meal. You don't want to do that because that's usually the part you enjoy the most. And going without food gives you a stomachache as well. How can you sit next to Uncle Argument for the entire meal without arguing? What would your options be? 
You might try ignoring him, but that just makes him louder and more persistent. He loves it when people try to ignore him because he takes that to mean he's winning the argument, so that won't help. You might tell him you don't want to argue, but that also makes him more persistent, and he'll start nagging you about being afraid to voice your opinion. You could yell at him, tell him to shut up, but that's angry arguing, which delights and encourages him. You could listen carefully for him to say something that's clearly wrong and then point that out to him, but that's also arguing, and he never admits to being wrong anyway. You could try to get other people at the table to help you out, but they don't want to mess with Uncle Argument, so they'll look the other way. You're on your own. You could hit him, but you probably won't get invited to the next family event if you start a fistfight at this one. And you don't want to bring the police to the party. So, what can you do? The opposite of arguing. How about this? You can humor him. You can agree with everything he says, true or untrue, brilliant or ridiculous, whatever. Yes, Uncle Argument, how very true, so wise, from your mouth to God's ears. Do you have any doubt that if you agree with everything he says, this man who loves arguing more than anything else will find someone else to argue with? Do you give anything up by humoring him? Would this be a reasonable way of responding to the persistent invitation to argue? You can have an arguing, confrontational relationship with him, or you can have a humoring relationship with him. The man is so persistent that he leaves you no other choice. You wish you had other choices, but you also want to enjoy the banquet, and these are the choices you have. Dealing with your worry is like dealing with Uncle Argument. If you take the bait and reply to the specific content of the arguments, you end up getting embroiled when you just wanted to eat. You end up exactly where you didn't want to be, arguing and finding that your comfort level is decreasing. On the other hand, if you create the habit of humoring your worrisome thoughts, you can increasingly pass over the invitation to argue without becoming embroiled or upset. You can play with the thoughts rather than work against them. Does this sound counterintuitive? Well, that's good, because the problem is counterintuitive. If it's true that the harder you try to suppress these thoughts, the worse they get, then you will probably benefit from trying something very different. Humoring the thoughts will be just what the rule of opposites would suggest. Is that okay with you? Do you have any objections to this? Sometimes, people express some reservations in the form of should statements, as in, he, Uncle Argument, should be more respectful of my feelings, and I shouldn't have to deal with all these stupid thoughts. But if that were going to get you somewhere, you'd be sitting at a lovely cafe without a care in the world, while a beautiful stranger reads poetry to you, instead of listening to this audiobook. Better to work with what is than to get stressed out about those thoughts of what should be. A new way to look at worry. This uncle argument metaphor might be very different from the ways you've thought about chronic worry in the past. Have you thought about your chronic worry in the past? What kind of metaphors come to mind? Most people who struggle with chronic worry tend to use metaphors that involve struggle, resistance, and fighting. They may think about the anxiety demon and how they can slay it. It's natural enough to think about chronic worry in terms of demonizing it and opposing it. That's a very intuitive response. But this is a counterintuitive problem, and so when we rely on our natural intuitive responses, we often end up feeling frustrated in our attempts to solve a problem. When I'm skidding on an icy road, the harder I try to steer away from that phone pole, the more likely I am to hit it. I need to steer into the skid. 
So it is with our metaphors for chronic worry. Worry is not a disease or a soul-sucking alien that's invaded my mind. It's just the natural consequence of my brain looking out for me, probably more than necessary. A counterintuitive response is much more likely to get me where I want to be. That will take a little getting used to. Worry is like a heckler. Chronic worry is like a heckler in the audience at a performance. Dealing with a heckler requires a particular kind of response. As a performer, it won't help to go down into the audience and have a fistfight with the heckler because that prevents you from delivering the performance you came for. Neither will it help to defend yourself against the heckler's comments because then you're arguing with the heckler rather than doing your show. And it won't do to try and ignore the heckling either because it will be noticeable no matter how hard you try not to notice and struggling not to notice will distract you from the task at hand. You could perhaps ask the heckler to stop, but generally speaking, hecklers don't respond to simple requests to be reasonable. Your request will probably fall on deaf ears, and the heckling will continue, and meanwhile, you've again been distracted from your task. What's a good way to respond to a heckler? It's probably best to work the heckler into your routine. This way, you don't have to choose between going on with your show, or daily business, and listening to the heckler. And, as you work with the heckling in this way, treating it like you would any other sounds in the room, the heckling will probably die down. What keeps heckling going is the sense that the heckling is getting attention and being disruptive. As it starts to blend in with the show, it will probably diminish. Thanks for listening to this excerpt from the audiobook, The Worry Trick. How your brain tricks you into expecting the worst, and what you can do about it. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer. If you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate it and review it. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.